story. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and uh, with me, as always, is my cohort in crime, Brian Hughes. And we have a, a special uh, it's a special show we're doing today, and I'm going to let Brian uh, fill you in. Yeah, this is actually uh, the first part of a, a multi-part epic. Um, a couple weeks back, I got a, 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 a pop-up message from Derek William Crabb on the Fan Holes podcast asking if we wanted to participate in the Acts of Vengeance event. And this is with the Mary Marvel Marching Society, Fire and Water Network, and a whole bunch of other podcasters to uh, cover the entire Acts of Vengeance uh, event that happened in Marvel back then in 89-90. And so uh, naturally, as Third Degree Burn, we're going to be covering the John Byrne issues. Now, first you're going to hear from us. We're going to, of course, cover the first issue, which was Avengers West Coast number 52. Uh, and uh, probably soon, uh, not, not long after, you will hear the interns... David Thompson, John Hyatt, and Kurt Greenfield covering the Wolverine issues. Uh, and later, of course, as, as we get further on in the story, we'll have uh, Avengers West Coast 54 and 55. Uh, so these will be played out through the month as part of the event. And uh, we're just going to kick it off right here uh, with Avengers West Coast number 52. Now, 53, Brian. 50, oh, sorry, sorry, 53. And I'm confused because sorry. 52 came out in the same month. Yeah. You know, uh, and so, yeah, 53, The Plan Proceeds is what it's titled. Now, to give a little background on the Acts of Vengeance, if you're not familiar with it, which you should be because we've covered some Acts of Vengeance stuff before with uh, Gene Hendricks just a couple months ago, um, is that as Marvel was looking for some kind of event or tie-in or whatever, uh, they uh, had basically asked John Byrne if he had any thoughts. And his great thought was the villain swap getting you know each hero to fight a different villain now this kind of spurred from um a, a minor gripe he had with ohatmu and you're familiar with the, the official handbook of the marvel universes volumes one and volumes two that came out back then i'm sure tim you're very aware of those mm -hmm. yeah well i mean the idea behind that you know aside from giving good information about all these characters was to prevent writers from say, creating unnecessary villains to fill a story. Like, say, you wanted a villain with electrical power, you don't create the new Mr. Zippo. You go and you find someone there, ah, here's Electro. And then, of course, that's the villain that the heroes can fight. But it wasn't happening anyway, and people were still doing this. So the idea was to swap the main villains and even other villains so that the heroes would have to fight somebody they weren't accustomed to. Uh, and this was all the brainchild, of course, of Loki. Now, what unfortunately did happen was while Byrne and some of the top writers were good at mixing up who they were fighting, who the characters were fighting, you had at least six different heroes that were fighting Doctor Doom, including the Punisher. And somehow, some way, Daredevil found up going, wound up going against Ultron. So... <laughs> While not everybody was into it the same way that, that uh, Byrne and the uh, other writers, you know, some of the top writers were, uh, it still turned out to be a really, really good uh, crossover event. Much better, it seemed to me, than a lot of the ones they had going uh, before and after uh, this. What do you... Well, it, I f Go ahead. I, sorry. Well, I'd say I felt this was similar to 
And I think it also harkens from that they wanted to go with something a little different because the three years prior, the fall events had all centered around the X-Men. Yes. I think maybe Inferno or Extinction, Extinction, Follow the Mutants, Follow the Mutants, and Extinction Agenda. Uh, those are mostly uh, centered around the the X books. You know, New Mutants, X Men. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. That that's all they had at that time. Yeah, maybe X Factor. X Factor. Right, and they wanted to do something uh, that wasn't X Men. So sometimes those when those when those crossovers were centered around like kind of one corner of the Marvel Universe, which is X-Men, mm-hmm. I think they're more successful. This one was covered over a pretty wide uh, uh, list of books. I mean, you had Fantastic Four, Avengers. I mean, I think the Avengers, I think you would agree, are the center of this. But yes. you had Cloak and Dagger, you had FF, you had Daredevil, Spider-Man. Uh, Weren't the X-Men in there also? The X-Men were in there, I think, kind of... Uh, they were kind of on the periphery. They were not... Uh, involved very much, but Doctor Strange, you had, uh, I think, an issue of the Hulk, Moon Knight even, <laughs> they included Moon Knight, New Warriors, you know, uh, and things like that. So, uh, I don't, I don't want to give away how I feel about the, about Act of Vengeance, but I don't know if it was, it was as successful if, if, if it had maybe focused on the Avengers books, but then, that kind of ruins the whole idea of everybody swapping villains. So if it's just the Avengers getting new villains, maybe that's not going to be as, su- as successful. So uh, well, we'll, we'll see. I, I'll, I'll give a little more idea about my, my feelings on this as we. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it right away because we're just getting started. Well, but. you know the 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 big. There were several differences as to how this was handled versus the the summer events. Now the summer events, you know, Inferno and all, and all that. Um, seemed to happen a lot, and, and the um, the one that came the next Sunday, which was Atlantis Attacks, uh, seemed to be more for the annuals, wasn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. that was a, for a while. They were all uh, uh, they were all yeah focused in the annuals, not uh, not the main books. Um, Terminus Factor, I think that was that was just covered on Back to the Bends, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was an annual one. The Atlantis Attacks, Evolutionary War, that was their their shtick for a while. Was uh, sorry. Uh, I said I don't remember. Uh, I remember reading it, but it apparently didn't leave a, a big impression with me because I I don't have any strong memories of any of, the, of any big story arcs going on in this. Uh, not like with some of the annuals or some of the other bigger events. So I think this was, in a way, it was a smaller event. I think it was more. Uh, I think it's a fun idea that maybe was not executed the best that it could be. Yeah, I didn't see any X-Men book in the Acts of Vengeance. I just kind of sc- scrolled right through them to see if I'd seen anything there. But it doesn't seem to there doesn't seem to be any uh, crossover on that. So maybe they did not participate. Well, I know there were some books that had the Acts of Vengeance banner, yeah. but nothing. It had nothing to do with the story. It was, and and if you notice, some of, some books had a very prominent banner across the top. Mm-hmm. Some had little some had little corner banner yeah and i think the ones with the corners were a little less involved than the main story true true all right so let's um excuse me just a moment i was taking a bite of orange (laughs) (laughs) a little too big of a bite okay so let's look avengers west coast number 53 the cover date was december 1989 but it was on sale october 3rd of 1989 and 
that was another thing here is that these books were coming out every two weeks at this point uh, as part of this also I believe um, the story title is The Plan Proceeds uh, 22 pages writer penciler John L. Byrne anchor is Keith Williams now as opposed to what we saw in uh, Superman where uh, Byrne was doing figure inks and uh, Williams was doing background inks uh, at this point Byrne is doing full pencils and Keith Williams is doing full uh, inks and backgrounds. Uh, letters is Bill Oakley, colorist is Bob Sharon, and this of course is reprinted in Avengers West Coast, Darker Than Scarlet Trade paperback. Uh, and there's also a new Acts of Vengeance uh, omnibus that has everything. And you can even get Collects a, everything. Yeah, you can get a digital copy. It's all of them in order, and that's what I was using uh, as I was reading the stories. So I've got uh, CBRs. Uh, even the, the CBRs, of course, are kind of funky because there's at least one of them where the page, page is upside down. <laughs> uh, but let me, um, let's see. Here we go. I've got a synopsis, and it was written by yours truly. Uh, I, I wrote all three synopses on these because um, I was just having so much fun. Anyway, here we go. <clears throat> Loki, disguised as a well-dressed lackey, updates Magneto on the current progress of the Acts of Vengeance. The Master of Magnetism monologues in from uh, from the lackey, then instructs him to continue with the portions of the planet Magneto thinks he's allotted him. Magneto then leaves the secret lair Loki had created for the villains to gather, which allows Loki a few moments to reflect on how his plans are proceeding. He takes his time to look in on the Avengers' West Coast compound, where he finds Iron Man, Hank Pym, Wonder Man, Vision, and the catatonic Scarlet Witch. Wonder Man recaps how the Vision was disassembled, had his memory erased, and, and while he was rebuilt by Dr. Pym, he was not the quite the same Vision that all remembered him from before. On top of that, they discovered he was not built from the original Human Torch, as was believed. Then, of course, there was the fact that the Vision and Wanda's children were not real children, but figments of her imagination made from the soul of Master Pandemonium, and Wanda's hex power. Um, that is what was used to unknowingly turn her, uh, turn those into her twins. Excuse me. <laughs> Wonder Man offers to provide Vision his brain patterns in hopes of restoring the Vision to his original self. As you may recall previous issues, Wonder Man refused to do this because secretly he was in love with the Scarlet Witch. The Vision, however, refuses the offer, saying it would not make him whole again, but just a copy. He then drops a bombshell that he would prefer to return to East Coast headquarters. Now, we're going to skip the Immortus storyline, as it really is not relevant to any of this. <clears throat> and it doesn't get completed properly. True. Only come back just in time to see a villain dressed in all green enter as part human, part gaseous vapor. She expresses her intent to kill. The woman tries to engulf Wanda in cyanide gas, but the Avengers bolt into action. Wonder Man quickly grabs Wanda and gets her clear, tries to get her clear of the room. Iron Man's armor turns on highly powered vacuum and pulls the gaseous woman screaming into his holding tank. His victory is short-lived as she turns herself into a monomolecular mist that can get through Iron Man's seals. He performs a quick emergency evac of the gas, but finds himself attached from beneath, attacked from beneath and pulled down into a new hole in the floor by two gigantic iron hands. Hank Pym tries to look down in the hole to see who Iron Man is fighting, as there appears to be a massive struggle going on down there. 
when a hulking iron figure comes flying out of the floor and sails through the room and across town, much like Nan in Superman 2. <laughs> out in the Avengers compound, Jim Hammond, the recently re resuscitated original Human Torch, God, say that three times real fast, <laughs> is macking on Toro's widow. We see the metal man flying away from the house. He flames on and flies off to see what is happening when he's attacked by another airborne figure and hit with hard radiation. He starts to fall but recovers quick uh, instead of crashing. Now the Human Torch takes the battle straight back to his new enemy as they fight high in the sky. Toro's widow, Anne Raymond, begins running back to the house to tell the Avengers what's happening when Wonder Man comes crashing out of the window carrying Hank Pym and the still catatonic Scarlet Witch. The Wasp flies along and informs Anne that it is the UFOs attacking. Meanwhile, across town, the UFO known as Ironclad finally pulls himself out of the ground where he'd landed minutes before. He realizes that he's so far away from battle and it would take him a long time to get back, so he decides to bring the battle to him and he quickly picks up and throws an occupied city bus, and then several cars. Back up in the air, the torch is locked in battle with X-Ray. He notices smoke from where Ironclad should have landed, and also sees the Avengers West Coast mansion is on fire. The torch is caught from behind by X-Ray, and X-Ray accuses the torch of killing their leader, Vector. Back down near the fire at the mansion, Iron Man says he can't stop the massive fire while Vapor is constantly feeding it. Hank, in desperation, begs Wanda to help, saying the vision is in danger. Wanda stirs and gets up. She sees the vision coming down towards her, but in her eyes, he's restored to his original form. Before she does anything else, though, she recognizes the threat and puts her hex power to use, altering probabilities and shaping the universe to her will, so the fire goes out and Vapor becomes human again. The surprises don't stop, though, as Vector, the supposed dead leader of the UFOs, flies onto the scene to explain to his fellow villains that, that his supposed death was a ruse and that they're being manipulated into fighting the Avengers. They all fly off and they're uh, toward their, towards their comrade Ironclad so they can skedaddle while the Avengers catch their breath. While Iron Man, Wasp are ready to go after the UFOs again, Hank stops them saying he cannot reach the Avengers on the East Coast and at least several of them should go to the East Coast to find out what's going on. The team splits and Hank tells Jen he has a premonition that something larger is happening. The end. That Good was, synopsis. I don't know. I, I felt like I stumbled there. Could no, not. That's fine. That's fine. Anyway. Yeah, but well, that... Should we... Was, I would say, should we uh, spoil what, what what we know has happened at Avengers East Coast or let that play out in... Because we've kind well, of covered... Well, we, we've covered that a couple issues back, a couple episodes back. So go ahead. All right. Yeah. It's this is uh, the floating island has been it was attacked and it was, was hydro base right? yeah hydro base yeah please download episode sixty three for our coverage and um, yeah I mean all that was oh, the only Avenger that was there hydro base to fight it off was Quasar yeah that's why we covered that with Gene because mm -hmm. he's a Quasar guy and one other thing I didn't do is cover what all books came out this month in December of nineteen eighty nine and this is crazy. He was busy. Yeah, well, we had Avengers West Coast 52, the one before this, Fragments of a Greater Darkness. This one, Avengers 53, uh, West Coast 53, The Plan Proceeds. Batman Monthly, number 30. And I'm not sure. I think that may be a black and white issue that was in the back. Classic X-Men, number 41, The Dark Phoenix. Classic X-Men, 42, Child of Light and Darkness. These are reprints, of course, from the Dark Phoenix saga. 
J.I. Joe Comics Magazine, number 13. That's the cover with the motorcycle gang. Is that right? All the guys on motorcycles? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when you and I saw John Byrne in Dallas, the guy in front of us in line, that was the one book that he had on him was that G.I. Joe. And to he, get signed. And to get signed. That was that yeah. was all because he was a GI Joe guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Avengers three eleven, the weakest point, which we covered, I think, or was it Avengers three twelve? Has a whole 12, world gone, gone mad. That was the one we covered. Yeah. Yeah. Then of course there, he's go ahead. He's just writing those. He's not doing the art. Right. Paul Ryan was doing the art on those. He just he was just scripting or uh, writing. Paul Ryan and Chris Ivy, and I think Tom Palmer was doing the inks. Yeah, it was Ryan and Palmer, I think. Were, um, but, the, but the one we covered, I think it was it was Ryan, Ryan doing and Palmer. The and, I think the Palmer other one was Chris that. Ivey, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And then uh, Ohatmu, uh, update 89, number 7, set to Tyrak. And update 89, number 8, U-Man to Madeline Pryor. Then Wolverine issue 18, All at Sea. Wolverine issue 19, Heroes and Villains. Uh, those to be handled... Uh, by our interns uh, later on here. So keep your eyes out for that. And then Wolverine Saga number three, book three, The Man Reborn, which I don't know anything about that. I'm not familiar with that one. Hmm. That's a lot. But, I mean, this story itself has a lot going on. And I, uh, this book is one of those books, when I read it, I said, this book is so insanely marvel in, in how it is. There's just so much going on, and yet, you know, it's multiple storylines tied together. Magneto, of course, is part of Acts of Vengeance, but he's also got his own agenda that involves the West Coast Avengers and, mm-hmm. and Scarlet Witch, and that'll come about later. Um, and, of course, the UFOs getting, um, you know, duped off, off panel. We didn't even see them getting duped. We just see them coming in. And, I mean, I had no history with the UFOs, but already with the way Ironclad was, I was like, wow, this looks amazing. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I. There, we should say they are primarily a, a Hulk villain. Hmm. So that's the switch here. Uh, and what I didn't know was that they uh, they're kind of an analog for the FF. The I think Vector, the leader, wanted to. Uh, he wanted power, so he wanted to duplicate the the uh, the event that created the FF. So he conned. Uh, these other the other folks to go into space and they were exposed to cosmic rays and that's how they get their powers so they're kind of i mean ironclad's kind of like the thing i think you could say vapors like invisible woman uh maybe vector is he's the leader so maybe he is uh mr fantastic and of course x-ray because he is similar to um, human the, torch. the human torch yeah. so they're kind of a an evil uh, fantastic four but they mostly fought the Hulk, uh, so that, that's the switch going on here, uh, because that's, uh, well, we don't see it in this issue, but again, uh, another issue where they fight a different uh, villain, and, and Iron Man makes a comment that his computers are trying to uh, identify the, the villain or creature he's fighting, because he's not familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, th- th- this issue was a lot of fun. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of action. The art is, the art's beautiful top notch uh, yeah yeah and as if we we haven't you have probably haven't heard it yet but we recently did a crossover with back to Ben's and scott was saying he thinks next to austin that um keith williams is burns best inker and i think i, I thought I'll that was carl kessel was he was he disagreeing with us on that 
I thought he was talking about Keith because the one we covered was Keith Williams. Hmm. He he did action. Maybe it was Carl Kessel, but I thought it was Keith Williams. Maybe I'm misremembering it. Because we did a Kessel issue and we did a Williams issue. Yeah, and um, and I haven't edited him yet, so maybe I'm misremembering it. But it was Carl Kessel. We should say that in Burns' run, because he did what 50, 47 to or 40 42. to 42 to 57, 56. Yeah. He did about 12 or 13 issues. Uh, he has three different anchors. He's got Mike McLean. 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 He inks like 43 to 48. John Byrne inked 49 himself. Uh, Mike McLean did 50 to 52. Keith Williams did 53 only. And then Paul Ryan did 54 to 57. So there is a little bit of a different style through his whole run. I um, love the Ryan work. On the anchors. The Ryan work was awesome. Keith Williams is, is, is decent. I like Williams better than Ryan because I think Williams holds more of what I think of uh, Burn, his look, than uh, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan's is good, but it's it's a little softer. That the inclines a little heavier. Um, it's a I think Keith is a little closer to uh, what Austin does. Yeah. Well, let's let's take but, a look in here. Let's start with the cover. Yeah. And, and take a look. And, of course, this cover is amazing. You've got Wonder Man and Hank Pym sitting there as the UFOs are breaking in. And we just see Ironclad and Vapor. And then you see Vision standing back, very dispassionate. Um, and X-Ray, of course, flying in. And then Scarlet Witch, catatonic and gorgeous as can be. I mean, burn it. I... I, I <laughs> He, he really must love this character because he just always draws her on point. I've never seen a bad drawing of Scarlet Witch from Byrne. Well, he, uh, you can tell he has a fondness for it because his whole run kind of focuses on her. He does a lot with her the, the short time he's on this book. Uh, yeah, and there's, there's some unfinished stuff. There's some stuff that, that I've read about this, and, and it kind of... It's like, it's like one of those things you don't want to hear, but you hear, and then you're like, okay, is this really it? And what it boiled down to is that Byrne never liked the Vision and Scarlet Witch relationship. So, okay. So, yeah, if you want to, you know, do you want to give a little history about the, the issues coming up to this and what, where, why the Vision's where he's at? Because that's, that's what the first well like we're going to cover those issues. issues sometime in the future i, I think okay. i think we have to do avengers west coast run almost right. uh it's by, by far one of those nice seminal moments where burns powers were at at, at their height every issue well, we should probably, is awesome <laughs> yeah we should do we could do vision quest like as a, as a, as yeah, a show that would be that would be great that's like four or five issues but anyway the, the vision is scarlet witch the vision's very different he's kind of more machine-like now um, so that's, and she's, she's kind of in her state because of what happened in the Atlantis attacks book, right? She was, no, it wasn't just, his... I mean, think of everything that happened. And I talked about a little bit in the, in the, the synopsis is that, you know, she, the vision of course was dismantled and, um, it wiped clean his memory and everything was wiped clean. They've brought him back to a semblance of himself, but he is not the vision that, that she knew mm -hmm. and loved. And he is a, a, a different character altogether for the most part. And that all-white visage, of course, is, is you know, very obviously different from what he was before. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, her children, uh, the two boys that she had with the Vision, which, of course, raises lots of questions. How does a mutant have two 
twin boys with a synthesoid. Um, apparently, you know, they thought she had just used some magic that she learned from Agatha Harkness, and that was it, you know. But it turns out that they were pieces of the soul of Master Pandemonium and somehow tied to Mephisto. Uh, and, you know, they were only there when she was actively thinking about them. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they would disappear from existence. Yeah. And so ultimately they did not exist and Agatha Harkness and others come in and help out and kind of wipe the kids from her mind. Well, you can't go through that and not have some <laughs> dramatic effect. And then of course the, the brides of said incident happens. All this just set to really scramble her brains and put her in a catatonic state. And you know, it would take great shocks and other things to bring her back and we'll see how that goes in a few issues. Yeah, but so he he kind of puts her through the ringer in his run. You always hurt the uh, ones you love is what is <laughs> is a common mantra on Bernie, especially yeah. lately when he's talking about X Men Elsewhere and and the things that he's putting different characters through, and yep. he just says you can't help it. You you always hurt the ones you love. Whew. It's like um, you ever saw the movie The Last Action Hero? Yeah. When when Arnold Schwarzenegger runs into Jack Slater in the movie theater and says, "Wow, you look like a great." version of me i could get you to do appearances and you know and slater <laughs> just says to him you've caused me nothing but sorrow and pain i want nothing to do with you so imagine being able to come you know these characters actually able to meet their writers you killed you know you, you killed uncle ben you killed gwen stacy wouldn't you want to punch the crap out of these guys <laughs> so imagine well, what can yeah Burn has kind of done that by putting himself, you know, when he was doing that, but he put himself into the story, you know, the, you know, the, the conceit being that the FF are real and they give Burn stories for him to draw in the comics. So he's kind of being very meta there, but he is actually being in the um, in the story itself. I wonder, I know you skipped it because it really has nothing to do with the story, but mm -hmm. I just wanted to say that the uh, this Immortus storyline he has going through here. Yeah which is ultimately kind of why he left the book. Uh, he must, this must be a labor of love for him because the artwork mm -hmm. is almost, it's not, it's almost totally different. It is very, very detailed. Mm -hmm. uh, he, I know he hates to try to do likenesses of people, but he's got uh, some amazing likenesses of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess that's historically accurate. We, we really can't tell, but uh the artwork's beautiful, and it's a different style. It's more, it's it's finer, it's much more detailed. It looks almost like, have you ever seen like uh, old historic comics and things like that? That's what it feels like. Like the gold and, key, and yeah, 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 and that kind of stuff. And and then when he switches back, you know, when he kind of uh, uh, he switches back to when he leaves, and I don't know if we want to tell what, and I don't exactly understand what what the thing is, but it seems like Immortus is changing things because you're seeing bits of history but it's happening differently yes yeah and when i was reading this last night uh, i was asking i asked my wife i said wait a minute wait a minute queen elizabeth she didn't die right and and that's what's happening so things are being changed and i think that's happening through this storyline and when he goes back to uh back into the future the artwork changes and it's suddenly uh back to comic kind of art right so i thought that was interesting if that's this little slice in the middle uh, which really has nothing to do with the acts of vengeance, but um, he, you can tell he put a lot of work into it. This is about three pages. It's a lot of dialogue. The artwork is beautiful, and he's then he comes back, and suddenly we're we're back at some UFOs attack. But yeah, um, 
so go to the first page and of course Loki in his uh, disguise as the lackey whispering into the ear of Magneto and that's just an amazing image not so much for Magneto in the foreground but Loki's face the the smug mm-hmm. knowledge you know in, in in his eyes just everything that you need to know is right there in his face it's just awesome <laughs> he's very uh and if I get my Shakespeare right, he's very. Who's the uh, the actor in Othello? Is it Hidalgo, that is kind of scheming and whispering in Othello's ear? I believe so. That's what this reminds me of. It's been like thirty years since I've seen a production <laughs> of of Othello. It's, it's not Hidalgo. It's, that's not right. Anyway, somebody's screaming at me right now. I know because I'm. I'm mis- but anyway, that's it. You know, it's he's like you said, he's playing the lackey. The villain in Othello is Iago. But at this point, we don't know it's Loki, do we? Um, or do we, we knew that we, we knew that from the um, Avengers book, I believe. I could be wrong. Did we? Okay. But um, and then of course, you know, the, these scenes are not what I would call highly detailed scenes. Um, aside from the the characters themselves, uh, Magneto and Loki, and then on, on the next page where you see uh, that that minor confrontation there, and Magneto basically pontificating. And they're in Loki's, the, the lair that Loki's created, it's got many doors that are basically dimensional portals to the different areas so that everybody can come and go and quickly join up. It's like their bad guy hideout. It's yes, the... the bad guy hideout. <laughs> and, you know, Burns got Magneto in, in more of a classic Magneto costume, doesn't have all the wires and other things on it. It's just got the nice big M symbol up top, and it's the red and uh, purple He's got his classic helmet. With the big, nice purple flowing cape. And you can tell that cape is, the, the cape is all metal. The plating mm-hmm. on his chest is metal. Well, I think he's, a, I think the whole thing is all, it's kind of a fine mesh. Like a chainmail? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you can see something. it in the cross hatching in the second panel. Yeah. Kind of. Um, and I don't, we should say that the, this kind of cabal of villains is what? It's Magneto, Red Skull, the Wizard. Dr. Doom. Doctor Doom, King, Kingpin, Mandarin, and Mandarin. Red Skull, you already said. Yeah, you said Red Skull. I think it's Red Skull. And I think we talked about this when we covered our book with Gene that uh, uh, some of that I didn't agree with because I thought the Kingpin, Kingpin should never be included because he's too street level. Kingpin is not on the same level as the Mandarin or Magneto, certainly not Doctor Doom. Uh, so he should never been in there. I mean, take him out because he's you know he's he's never tried to do world domination he's just always been trying to take over new york and these other guys have tried to take over the entire planet at times so i thought that was a mistake to put him in there and maybe it was only so that if you bring in he's he's just so popular at that time this is right after frank miller had done the the born again story and the kingpin was at the top of everybody's mind because of what he had done to daredevil and how right. well and he that, was written in that. Right, and that that's a that that I think is a great example of a a villain crossing over to where now most people probably think of Kingpin as a Daredevil villain and he was Spider-Man's villain for and, for years. And, and that's then, why they did I such think, a great job of bringing him over. But that's why I think he also got got put into this cuz he wasn't just Daredevil's foe or Spider-Man's foe since he was both there as it made sense to do that with him and with him being as popular as he is Right. Putting into this brought, right. brought some readers. Right. And if you're going to do and, it, and to your point, you you mentioned the Punisher earlier. I think he's got some uh, issues in here. And I think he goes up against Dr. Doom. Yes. Which I think that's 
that's kind of silly. Uh, <laughs> but to your point, everybody wanted to use Doctor Doom. Yes. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't. It feels like there wasn't a lot of coordination when they decided to do this. And I've read that. Well, you, you got to remember know, again. This is you know the multiple editors, multiple writers, yeah, and everybody yeah. wants to do their own thing and yet still keep their storylines going. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, they say, well, hey, we want to switch things up, and you get to use different villains than you normally do. And what what that means, though, because during the normal course of of putting books out, writer A over on Spider Man says all of a sudden, hey, you know what? I think I want Spider Man to fight, uh, Baron Mordo, or not Baron? Yeah, Baron Mordo. And they got to go to whoever the editor is for Doctor Strange and say, hey, can he use Baron Mordo? No, I've got plans for him next year. Not not I've got plans for next month, next year. They could sit there and put the kibosh on anybody using anybody's characters. Whereas this gave basically free reign to all of them to say, you know, hey, you guys can do that. So they jumped at the chance to be able to do something. But instead of being smart about it, they, you know, went with, you know, I want to do Doctor Doom. <laughs> Yeah. Now, Anna Chanti, uh, who was writing Daredevil, and she had been doing a decent job also. I think she she really glommed on to what Frank Miller had done with the Kingpin, and she focused on sp specific things on it. She wasn't as as uh, as gradient as Miller was, and so she focused more on what had become a psychosis with the Kingpin, focusing mm -hmm. on Daredevil and Matt Murdock. And trying to destroy him without revealing who he was. He it was the Lex Luthor syndrome. I want you to know who it is that's killing you, but you know, just you, not everybody, anyone yeah. else. And, and and so you get all these different <laughs> writers and editors going, okay, well it's candy time. And they did it, but they they just didn't put a lot of thought into it. And because you know, who was the editor in chief at the time? Is Tom DeFalco, right? Yeah, DeFalco, yeah. Is that he seemed to impose his, and he wasn't as bad as Shooter, but he still had some kind, sometimes a whim of iron um, that he would do selectively. And so some people got free reign, others didn't. And unfortunately, well, Burn was one of those that didn't. Right, and that, that led to him uh, ultimately leaving the book, not over this crossover, but over his Immortus story. Well, actually, that... the Scarlet Witch's costume. In issue 55, when he unveils the new costume, after they discussed it, after they, it had been approved and everything, DeFalco comes back to him and says, you can't change your costume. And, oh, in, in Darker and Scarlet? Yeah. Where she becomes kind of yeah. quote, evil. Uh, I didn't write that. I just heard that he was he, he had had this, what I'd read, that he had had this Immortus storyline going on. And when they came to, when they came together as a group to discuss a crossover, he offered that story. And DeFalco said, no, I don't want to do that. So then they came up with uh, the Acts of Vengeance. Uh, so then Byrne starts putting that story peppering it in, in right. the series. And then DeFalco, I guess, realizes, hey, uh, I told you you couldn't do that. And then it was more, no, you said you didn't want to do it for the crossover. You never said I couldn't do it. Right. So then that caused a lot of friction. And then Byrne said, well, I can't. I've got all this stuff planned out. I can't do it now. I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. So he just left the book. And and I mean, it, it, it's a uh, there are several stories, uh, several books where this has happened to him. The Hulk uh, was it was a good example of it. Um, She-Hulk as well 
when when they mm. they threw that wedding story out there against his wishes, and of course both those were Jim Shooter, and then this right here, and again it was Tom DeFalco, but it was yeah. always the editor in chief. It wasn't the editor at hand. That was no. That apparently, Mackie Mackie had a kind of he, he quit with support. He yeah. supported him and he quit. Yeah. And then he went over, I think, to do Iron Man, which Mackie was editor on that. Mm-hmm. So he kind mm-hmm. of left this to go do Iron Man. Well, he was he was writing Iron Man concurrently with this. Was he? Yeah. I thought he was he kind of started it. Well, we'll, we'll get to that uh, in uh, yeah. a, a later episode. Right. Okay. So uh, we see this room where um, Loki is all by himself, and he's basically looking in the mists of whatever to see what's going on at the Avengers compound. You know, this right here, this device that he has to be able to do that has got to be the most powerful device you can imagine. Because he can look at anyone anywhere and find out what they're planning, provided he looks at the right moment. And he right. could also look at him in the shower if he wanted to, which is really kind of creepy now when you think about it. Well, not all. It's like the Phantom Zone villains, man. They, they can look at anybody right. anywhere, and, and yet they think they're in a prison. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but I, I do love the, the use of black in that middle, that middle panel there. Just you know the 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 chair there between the curtains and the can those what braziers lit, right? And then it, it, that black is negative space. It it it, it kind of gives a sense of kind of an infinity room. You can't tell what's beyond it. It's right. It's, uh, you know, and then he's uh, he's kind of looking into whatever. He's got a hole in the ground that's got this vapor or smoke coming out of it, and that's what he's spying on. And that's when we get back to. I like that starburst design around it too. Yeah. Uh, and the smoke that that comes out of it, the mist or whatever that comes out of it, um, it it seems like reverse Kirby crackle. Yeah, yeah it's very wispy. It's, now, it's, do you notice the number five in there in the four, the third panel in the smoke? Yeah, at the top. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know, know if, if it means anything. Or, yeah, it's just. I don't know if that's on purpose or that's just an accident. Well, actually, he's foretelling cellular technology. It says five G. <laughs> Seriously, it says five yeah, G yeah. or fifty six. <laughs> but, look maybe loki's got 5g that's how he's able to spy on everybody hmm you have to ask him about that <laughs> okay but it it drops back in on the avengers which they're dealing with wanda being uh really comatose i mean and hank hank Penn, you know he says i'm not a psychiatrist so i can't i don't know what's wrong with it she, i don't think she can even hear us uh and that's when uh you said uh simon the wonder man who I don't like. I don't like him without the glasses. Well, it, I don't it, like his red eyes. I want him to wear the sunglasses. It's funny because uh, while I hate mullets, he definitely looked better with the mullet than this, just this super slicked back. Yeah, I don't. Hair. That looks too much like Clark Kent or like Superman. I want. Yeah, I, I want him a little more hair. And but but with uh, that and then the, uh, the 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 wife beater top that he's got, he almost looks like he's overweight it's more like he's got beer gut than you know muscles looks a bit like the rock because the rock slicked his hair back like that yeah he shaved his hair yeah um and he's lost his safari jacket which i kind of like the safari jacket well no hank pym's wearing it (laughs) well no that's his jump i know i know but it looks real jumpsuit of many many pockets (laughs) well you need those pockets cargo pants and yeah well it's because that's where he stashed all of his um uh, I think that's going to be my next it, Halloween costume right there. <laughs> That'd be pretty easy. No, Which I, I, thought, I need the hair. <laughs> when they introduced uh, 
him in the uh, early runs of this, which I, I, I read the, the West Coast from the beginning, uh, but the story and art was never very good, but I kept with it. And I thought the idea that Hank Pym has kind of become, he wasn't so much a hero, he was kind of like a, a science consultant to the, the Avengers, and his they determined that he had... Uh, he had used pen particles so much that now he could control them. So he could yeah. shrink and unshrink things himself by touching them. Yeah. So his idea was, I'm going to have like a thousand pockets on my, my outfit. I'm going to shrink down all these gadgets I may need. Like his whole, It's like his whole costume is a utility belt. Mm-hmm. And when I need it, I'm just going to reach in and I'll, you know, I'll bring it back to full size. And I'll have a gun or a net or whatever device he needs. Yeah, and then he um, can just shrink whatever at hand just by touching it too. Right. Which I thought that was kind of silly, but but Byrne kind of makes it work here. Yeah, um, but he, he's he's made Pym a, a more capable leader too, and he's kind of helped to secure him uh, mentally, right? Because you know he's around people that are a lot more crazier than him. <laughs> well, I mean, they even have they seem to he seems to be having a, a pretty good relationship with Jan. In yeah, this. they they're not married, but they seem to have a they've been checking up close. Right? Close relationship, yeah. Yep. You know, and this is, you know, uh, and and yeah, in your synopsis, I don't remember was is it revealed here that Wonder Man is in love with uh, previous Scarlet issues? Witch? Previous issues. I thought so. Yeah. Because he's got this. Because him and the Vision had the kind of the same engrams, you know, their brain yeah. patterns. And that was that was in like the second issue is when Hank, you know, told Wanda they just need Wonder Man's engrams, and Wonder Man says no, and she drops the mountain on him. Or the the, yeah. the clips on them, no. But here, of course, um, we it is where the vision says that he's going to join the East Coast team, and it's basically because they need the power. And then, of course, we got these beautiful pages, uh, of, as you said, Queen Elizabeth, uh, and just astounding art on there, heavily detailed. And but the the thing is, is that you're seeing heavy, you know, heavy backgrounds of this old English style in the Tower of London. And of course, uh-huh. the more ornate clothes that adds to it. Um, it it's because of the style that, of course, adds all that. But I also I also think he wanted it to be such a jarring difference from the other that he he did right. His, yeah, he's drawn uh, it differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what two pages of uh, of that. And um, but you, did you recognize that one guy is probably being Immortus? I didn't. I didn't. I don't. I didn't have really any. Uh, I you know I heard of Immortus in my comic reading, but I don't think I'd ever remembered any any prime stories where he was involved. So I, I remember back in the day, you know, just there was oh yeah, the moment I saw him, I knew it was Immortus, and then of course you kind of get that you get that on the next page. <laughs> yep, and he he you know with the big hat and everything, and he's got and throughout this he had something to do with. The Scarlet Witch. She was some kind of a, a fixed point in time or a pivotal well, character. Well, her power, and, and Pym had determined this in a previous issue as well, is that mm-hmm. her power doesn't just change things. It changes reality. So, like, she, there was a bar of vibranium or adamantium or something, and he had her use her powers on it. And he said, even the pre-images that I took of it were broke. Saying that yeah, she, that she her, kind of rewrites history. Yeah, yeah her power her things. power doesn't just happen right then and there. It goes backwards in time and forwards in time, and so that makes her an excellent vessel for for Immortus's machinations. Yeah, which is 
which is interesting that this is, I mean, I think, uh, I think it had been established before that she did some kind of reality warping power, but her power has never been, I think Burns first time Burn is really trying to nail it down here. Yeah. Uh, which they never did in, in the MCU. They, it, her power always looked like it was just some kind of telekinesis. All she would do is lift things. Right, right. And move things. Move and things. now I think they're starting to change that a little bit in WandaVision, I think. Yeah. They're well, trying to well, get it closer in, to the In the, the Avengers movies, I mean, she her power was doing all sorts of stuff. She messing with people's minds. She put in all the Avengers. Those, That's true. Those, those images. Um, and then, of course, they're, you know, in her last battles, her the the when in Infinity War, she comes out and she takes on most of Thanos' army. And wipes them all out. And then in Endgame, she's sitting there taking on Thanos and just ripping him a new one. She is singly one of the more powerful characters. Now, this goes back, when you look at that, to the fact that her power comes from the Soul Stone. The same, that's the stone that was in Loki, Loki's Hokey Pokey uh, mind-changing stick. You know, Loki's staff. No, that wasn't a soul stone. That was the mind stone. Mind stone, excuse me, yeah. And the yeah. mind stone, of course, is what they put into the vision. Right. But the mind stone gave her and Pietro their powers. Powers. All right? Like the Tesseract gave Captain Marvel her powers. That's why they were, you know, considerably the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe beyond, say, Thanos. Right, because he had... They, they kind of mentioned that in you know, spoilers for WandaVision that one of them said, well then she could have taken out Thanos all by herself. But at that point he had his reality stone. So mm-hmm. I don't think he could have, he could have done anything. Yeah, he has several, reality. several different yeah. stones. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, going back to this, um, on this next page here where the Avengers are all standing around discussing and Wanda's sitting in the chair, still catatonic. And you see the gas forming up on the floor. Then the next panel shows vapor. You notice Wanda's image. It's almost like he copied it from one panel to the next. Yeah. So he, could he, it's, uh, he couldn't have drawn it exactly the same twice. He had to have copied that. Yeah, or just reprint or jam, yeah, or just had them reprint it that way. Yeah, because it does look like it's exactly the same. And the inking is exactly the same. So yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it was it was done that purposefully. Yeah. Interesting. But they were able to take the background away from it. That is so cool. Yeah, it's almost like a copy and paste. But again, this or he is... could have copied it and he drew vapor on top of it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and so, you know, they see what's going on, and she, of course, has to say, yeah, I'm making cyanide gas, which makes everybody hold their breath and get out. And <laughs> Simon, of course, is yelling, Wanda, don't breathe. She's not listening. <laughs> well, you think Vapor would, the way, the what she does with Iron Man, you think, uh, instead of just engulfing Wanda in a cloud of cyanide gas, thinking, well, she's got to breathe, she's going to breathe in, she would just insert, it grosses a sound, just insert herself into Wanda's nose and just... You know, go into her lungs. Yeah, but, she she could have killed them instantly, but she had to make an entrance. Yeah. She wanted to make an entrance. Yeah, and that yeah, that she's... that was her mistake. And then, of course, Iron Man just <laughs> sucking her up like a vacuum is hilarious. But I like the fact that, and you can see it in his movements that he's uncomfortable with what's happening, and he has to eject her out on the on the next page. Yeah, and I don't know what I'm, I'm, I mean. I guess a monomolecular mist means if it's only one molecule thick it can pass between other molecules right. so that's how it's getting through his seals right uh which if well, that's think the case of, think of it like how... this helium gas when you've got those mylar balloons 
And you notice, like, after a couple days, the balloons will sink because the helium is, is I mean, hydrogen so hydrogen's monomolecular, so it can go through, basically slip through. And helium being very close, it, it also can slip through. Uh, mylar is one of the, the few things that works really well. Regular plastic or rubber balloon, the, the gas passes through so quickly that you lose it within just a few hours. Yeah. And so she's able to go into, like, hydrogen or some, some real uh, similar state to get through the seals in his armor that that makes sense right but which does but what doesn't make sense that if she is uh this monomic mon mono mist that i don't think his emergency evac would push her out but you know he, he basically evacuates her out of his out of his armor well her gas is going to be lighter than oxygen or any air that, that you know, normal I air guess. that he pushes out. So, if he's pushing so the it's going to be pushing her, pushing her out. Yeah, it, it makes sense that it would. She'd be lighter than him. She wouldn't be able to fight against it. Yeah. But then the next page, and there's very little words on this next page, and there doesn't have to be, because you see, of course, one of the things Burn loves to do: hands coming up out of the floor, out of the ground, <laughs> and grabbing something. In this case, it grabs Iron Man and pulls him down. Pym sees it happening. And then, as, as you see, he's looking down into the hole, and you see, blang, clong, clang, <laughs> dang, and then wong, a huge wong, and there goes Ironclad, who we don't know who he is, but Ironclad flying off through the air, uh, unless, of course, you read it before, uh, and definitely looks like he's in really, really bad pain. <laughs> and, um, th yeah, that just, to me, said Superman 2, that whole sequence. Yeah, well, it, when 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 Pym is looking down, it reminds me a little of RoboCop 2. At one point, when they when he's attacking RoboCop, attacking RoboCop 2, and they fall through the floor, you can hear all this fighting yep. in this hole they've made in the street, and people are kind of looking down there. So that's what kind of reminded me of. But uh, then we get to see the torch go into, um, and I like the fact that Byrne draws him without facial expressions, because you know what he does, Johnny Johnny Storm, you see his eyes and his mouth mm -hmm. kind of. This way, his face is just blank, the way he's always drawn. Right, and this storm is so much... I mean, Johnny is, is thin and lithe, and Hammond here is... You know, he's a full-figured man. Yeah, and and you can definitely Captain America size. Yeah, you definitely see the, the difference, and of course, there's a difference in the flames uh, that they put out normally. Well, his flames are, which I think is different than the way he was doing Johnny was... Mm -hmm. These flames look the way Kirby drew in, in the early issues. Yes. You know, very dense flames following him as he flies up. Uh, and then, of course, he's attacked by uh, X-Ray. And, you know, apparently his, his radiation is not harming is not harming his synthesoid body, but he says it does hurt. Yeah. Are you out of your Vulcan mind? No human can tolerate the radiation that's in there. As you are so fond of observing, Doctor, I am not human. I don't know how his fire would do. He he attacks him with fire, but I don't how I don't see how his fire would affect X-ray at all. I don't I don't uh, know the the UFO's power set really well. I've never uh, read them in the Hulk to to know them very well. You say they're like a Fantastic Four. Well, you know, Johnny of course is impervious to his own flame, but he's not impervious to other uh -huh. forms of radiation. No, not radiation, right? And so this guy being a guy of radiation, you figure, okay, he's going to be impervious to radiation, but he's not necessarily going to be impervious to flame. I don't know. Well, I know it's it says he he can't he can't become solid. Ah. So, I mean, but but you know it, it, you know he has to 
the, you know, they're superheroes and they're villains. They have some, you know, they have to have some kind of effect on. Yeah, them. right. Um, but I thought when this and this, I don't know why this occurred to me, but when, uh, uh what's Toro's wife's name? I've and 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 Raymond. And I, I've had a question about her since they first brought her into this, and that is, what vitamins is she taking? She's supposed to be at least 40 at this point, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, she, well, yeah. she, she should be an older woman. Cause yeah, she looks like she could be in her... Toro was the protege of, of the Human Torch all the way back in the, the days of the Invaders, all the way back in World War II. But he was a kid, but, wasn't but he? Yeah, he was a, a teenager. And then, you know, he, of course, you know, 10 years later is apparently when he had that ba the, the battle with the Mad Thinker. So we'll say 10 years after World War II, so 1955. And yet, this many years later, she comes around and she still looks like a, a young woman. So she, she'd, have to she be, be, she'd have to be older than 40, even. She obviously. could be 40. But uh, yeah. the, the, the age doesn't work. It just doesn't work no. to me. But what I was thinking was that when you know she's running for the other Avengers and basically she's she knows she's in harm. In fact, they tell her you better get out of here. Yeah. Uh, that the uh, the Avengers mansion, any of these superhero groups, including the uh, the uh, Baxter Building, right? They should have some kind of a safe room because they have civilians that come over. Like the X Men have one. The X Men have right. one. Yeah, we know that. And they probably do here. Now, remember, this isn't just your standard mansion. It's a large compound with multiple bungalows. Yeah. It's more like a country resort. Right. And, um, it, but, but it, you know, of course, they're, they're out back. They're by the swimming pool just sitting there talking. She didn't have time to get anywhere safe just yet. And the inside of the house itself isn't safe because that's where some of right. the UFOs are, especially the deadly gas one. What I think yeah. is funny is Wonder Man coming through the, the window there. And he's got Hank, and he's got uh, Scarlet Witch. And it looks like he's trying to lead with his head, but there's no way he could prevent them from not getting hurt in going through the window. I mean, he would have to turn around and lead with his back. Yeah. That, 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 it looks painful. It's a, it's a little wonky, because it looks almost like he's wrapped up in a cloak. Yeah, well, it's her cloak. Um, it's it's Wanda's yeah. cloak. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it, it looks like that would that could be dangerous. Maybe the cloak's pr protecting her, I don't know. But don't know. And, and now here's the other thing. They're coughing. Alright? Both uh Janet and Hank. If that was cyanide gas, and I've been around cyanide, I worked in jewelry uh when I was in college, and I've seen how quick that stuff acts. If you're coughing as a result of cyanide gas, you're dead. You hit the floor, you're dead. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. You're dead. Sorry. Sorry. They must be dead by now. It's that dangerous. So it's like you know, that, that right there, they probably, I don't know. Again, it's a superhero world. You can do things a little differently. But, uh, yeah, that's maybe Hank. Uh, I wonder if Hank could use his power to shrink her. Can you shrink a vapor? Can you shrink? I mean, anything is, you know, with the molecular structure. Yeah, because that's could, that's he what he's doing. So he could do that yeah. anyway. <laughs> sorry, sorry for that little derision, <laughs> though. Um, 
they're trying to catch up and there's this nice big boom a bad boom and there's definitely gas coming out of that and then of course uh we go meanwhile to the um, oh no i'm going by pages too fast aren't i yeah yeah there's no the boom no, and then yeah we're... we go to the other side of town where uh ironclad has landed and he pulls himself out of the ground and i mean again just like superman 2 he throws us he throws a bus <laughs> But in this one, there's people in it, and there's nobody to catch it. And you can see in the background, there's people there running away from it. He's, people. Well, yeah, he's fixing it. Fix, some people are fixing to get hit by that. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And on the next page, he picks up cars. And the one doesn't seem to have any people. I don't know about the other one, but there's no way people didn't die while he was over there. Just no way. And, and of course, the human torch can see it from a distance, but there's nothing he can do about it. I mean, that guy's basically yep. going to throw a tantrum and kill many people until his own teammates actually get there. And the Avengers don't do anything about that. Well, they haven't got there yet. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how far he's... Because he says he's miles away, but he says it'll take hours. So that he walks very slow, yeah. or he's pretty far away. And he I can't mean, just take a cab or a bus. Well, yeah, he, he says that. I, I can't even drive, you know, I can't even drive uh, uh, yeah. uh, normal, normal size cars because he's too big. Um now, the Human Torch's powers, they don't work like Johnny's. He can't control flame that's not his own, can he? I don't know. Because I know I he can shoot he can flame, or... but I don't know that he can control flame uh, much like like Johnny could do. Because Johnny could absorb flame. Johnny could even project just heat if he needed well, to. Well, he does. Later in, in a later issue, he does kind of make a flame cage. So he can kind of, kind of make flame okay. constructs. So I don't know if he can... He should be able to bring the fire down if he gets there. Unfortunately, X-ray, yeah. you know, catches him basically napping, and gets him in a headlock. Much not that it's going to do anything. You can't knock him unconscious, can you? I guess you could, but no, I, don't know. I guess you could. Now that possibly. that image of the fire, though, that looks pretty good, especially the way he's got the lighting done on Hank and and the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. And then Vision's cape is all tore up. I didn't I think about that, that. I don't know how that got it. Well, that should have been intangible, son. Well, I guess if it got damaged when he was not intangible. But it's a part of him, so he would have to just grow it back. Is it a part of him, yeah. or is it that, that his costume? I thought he actually put a costume on. Well, I mean, he used the costume that was that was his, and, but he had complete molecular control over it. It was a very Dr. Manhattan kind of thing. Well, I thought he could... I thought his intention, like, you know, previous vision when he was normal... That his costume just became intangible because it was he was wearing right, it. You know, he right, right. But what, what I'm saying it. is, is like the the costume that he has is damaged, but he would have to grow it back. It's not like he can sew it back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just thought it was just it was just uh, a costume that that reacted to whatever he was doing. I didn't think it was something that he that was artificial like him. Well, he had control over it to be able to to make because remember, if you remember, he came out buck naked. Mm-hmm. And they handed him the costume, which was all white also. And he was able to just throw it onto his body and have it configure however he wanted it to. And yeah. so he made it look like it covered up his midsection. says, well, it looks like you're wearing clothing. Because you know? yeah. <laughs> that was uh, the U.S. agent's gripe, I believe. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I've never been kind of crazy about the, the, the white look of the vision. I, I like his classic. Burn never intended know. it for it to be permanent. Permanent. No, he intended for it to be there while it was fun, and then he'd yeah. switch it back. Yeah. And then Hank, of course, tricks Wanda into thinking that the vision is in danger and that somehow he's back the way he is. Well, she just thinks he's back the way she, he is. And she uses her hex power uh, on vapor. And so they're able to stop her. And then Vector comes in and says, it's all a lie. We didn't do this. And he's using his power there. And is that like electricity? Now, Vector has a... His power's weird, and he has a very weird costume. Yeah. His power is to uh, repel anything. Uh, he can... Anything that's coming at him, he can repel... Okay, I can, that, I can see that, but it looks like Wonder Man is... Oh, Wonder Man is trying to shield Wanda. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So he's using some kind of a, some kind of a force beam, but apparently he can... At one point, he even repelled... Uh, space and time or something and that uh, that's at one point they went into that same dimension that the hulk went into the nexus yeah the reality yeah they went there maybe with the hulk uh, so that you know see i, I haven't read that story but vector just looks like the kind of guy that the scourge would shoot he does <laughs> he's got a pretty goofy guy. yeah he's yeah. got a pretty goofy costume. and and vapor of course she you know what's interesting is that the way her costume fits on her it looks like she's the kind of she's a part-time villain that she doesn't, you know, try to stay in shape like everybody else does. She's not, like, overly muscular or anything. So her mm. costume is not, like, super tight-fitting. It looks kind of like whatever she was wearing when maybe they had the accident. You know, when they... Um, I'm going to dig up my Hulk issues and see how that happened. Yeah. Um, I got a question here about when he... Because Wanda uses her powers to turn her back to human. Mm -hmm. And Vector says, a temporary effect at best... Which, and is similar to what happened to her children. When if Wanda uses her hex power to do something, once she's not focusing anymore, does it revert back or is that permanent? I don't know. It, it, based on what Hank did, had her do with that bar, it's permanent. That's not permanent. But then her kids would have been permanent, and they weren't. So I bet it's something that is because otherwise. Everything she does. So in other words, well, vapor. Would again, when, when you're dealing time. with like a bar of metal versus something that's supposed to be a uh, sentient being, you're talking a lot of bells and whistles, you know, in, in yeah. that person. It's, it's, it's yeah. that, that same old trope that I can affect uh, inorganic stuff. I can't affect human or you know living things. Mm -hmm. That kind of. Otherwise, somebody would be too powerful. But. Yep. Um, then we get the backstory of, of them finding out why they, uh, and this must have been planned pretty masterfully that they knew that, because uh, they were released from the vault, right? Yeah. They were, and they went to the, one of their hideouts and it had been trashed and they see a fake video of Iron Man looks like he's killing Vector. Uh, Vector. So that's when they, they vow revenge and he says, no, no, I just got there late. Uh, and then he saw, I guess he saw the same thing and knew that somebody would, it was, uh, you know, playing for dupes. So, and, and of course he also chastised them for, you know, you guys didn't have a plan. You just, you know, you know, let's get together and have a, a plan to take out the Avengers. You guys just came in like, you know, yep. just bowled your way in. So they decided to, uh, to retreat and get reorganized. Yeah, and before the Avengers can join him, Hank Pym says, stop, no, we got to think about this. We can't all be going 
against them. So some will stay here, the others will take the Quinjet to the East Coast. And, um, and you know what? I don't believe this. Jan changes costumes. They're in a hurry to go to the East Coast and she's got to change costumes. Because you look at that top panel, there she is, she's wearing the costume, it's got the little cap over her head. And then you see thus, a few minutes later, they're in the Quinjet and she's wearing a different costume. She's wearing a blue, and well, in a later episode, a later issue, she makes it points that yeah. out. Says, "Hey, I'm a change, I'm a change costume." Yeah. And that was a thing with the Wasp, which I kind of liked. That she yeah, was... but I'm I'm keeping tra- I'm keeping count. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I see two different costumes so far in this book. Well, she's <laughs> got to take put on her flight in the New York costume. You know? Yeah. Well, all in all, um, this was a, a really really fun issue. Um, I liked the UFOs going up against the Avengers because they're very. Um, vibrant, distinct-looking characters. Ironclad looks like he would be someone worthy of the Hulk or, um, mm-hmm. you know, Colossus or you know, you know, the Thing uh, as a one-on-one battle. So, uh, and and seeing these others, you know, realizing they're like a Fantastic Four uh, anagram, that you know, they they definitely you know create a, a good fight situation. I hate the Gas Girl. I've always hated Vapor. Well, I, I always yeah. hate characters that have uh for lack of a gun instant kill ability and that's just because well why don't they just use it all the time why don't they use it more sneakily why don't they just kill everybody i mean they can they they could and they don't because comics so right i mean right she could have come in instead of being cyanide she could come in and become uh you know natural gas or something that's explosive and just obliterated the place. Right. Uh, and then Vector but, could have killed virtually, well, you could have killed Hank Pym, Wanda, and Jan uh, easily. Would not have been able to kill Wonder Man or, or Vision simply by using his, his radiation on him, but he could have killed the others easily. And Well, you think he would he would be given off low levels of radiation anyway, because he's not going to affect his teammates, but right. you think nobody else could be around him because he would be just giving people cancer all the time. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, the thing is they've got some pretty deadly powers, and apparently they're not very smart at how they use them. If I was a supervillain, I would be bad. Well, again, <laughs> again, you know, that's comics. Yes, you know, and, yes, yeah. I know. Uh, you know, that's... That's why you should read the you should read the uh, the authority because in that book, uh, people are dying all the time because they don't they they just kill their villains you know especially in the first. W- wasn't uh, it also like X Force or Ecstatic was um, killing people every issue? They just like get blown apart. It was a it was a, ni- a 90s book and it very very odd art. Uh, but it got I, real I read for a Ecstatic because I like yeah I liked it because it's uh, it was uh, Mike Allred. Yeah doing the art he's got a very very distinct style uh, which is why i read it but it was very weird it was almost like it wasn't even part of marvel because it was uh well, it was very it, different it reminded me of a a, a hmm, heavier version of strike force moratory you remember that one we were about to oh die. yeah i love that book. yeah yeah i love that book i only read a couple um, issues of those i you know it's like i just don't like the idea of meeting a character seeing going to battle oh they died <laughs> it just happened too so, often the, I hope you didn't watch Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> hey, some people made it to the end. Yeah. Okay. Right, so but, no, I, I agree. All in all, this is a this is a fun read. There's a, there's a lot of good action. You know, it set up sets them up some things. It kind of 
lays the groundwork of, of I'm sure as you're reading this, you're like, okay, why, you know, what's going on? Why, why are these bad guys fighting these good guys? Um, so and I th- it, it lays a good groundwork. Right. But I, and I think that like the, this and the Avengers books, especially 312, which comes right after this, um, it, you know, they're so much more cohesive because Byrne is writing them all. Uh, and, and that, you know, what's going on in the Acts of Vengeance is, is definitely permeating, you know, all those books. And it's organized and it's well thought out. And if you read just these books, you probably walked away from Acts of Vengeance with a really, wow, this was a great, you know, thing. But if you read all of the others, it's a little little harder. Now, you know, the other books, Avengers Spotlights, the Dwayne McDuffie stuff... Uh, I thought those were really well handled. Captain America, of course, it had the Red Skull and Magneto, both of which had been in Captain America's book before. So Mark Grunewald kind of got away from the the uh, the rules in this. And if it was Grunewald. Um, but, you know, you had, you had Karen Dwyer doing the artwork, which uh, it, for those that, that aren't in the know, Karen Dwyer was at that point in time John Byrne's stepson. And uh, a protege that, that Byrne did, uh, you know, kind of uh, mentor him, mentor him in, in the art world. And as you saw, uh, you know, in the years after that, that he had a very prolific and, and pretty successful career. He uh, his artwork uh, at, you know, early on, you could see touches of Byrne in it, even though there's not a blood relation there. Uh, he definitely, you know, took some of his style. But he didn't stay with it. He went with his own style, and he, you know, came away with something that I thought was uh, was pretty decent. And uh, he was a very consistent artist in all the things that I'd read. Yeah. Well, I read the. I went back and kind of read the the, or kind of thumbed through the Cap uh, 367 issue because uh, they had said that Grimwell had retconned. Uh, apparently, when including Magneto in this group. Well, the villain was problematic because I guess some thought that he was trying to be more of a good guy. And so Grinwald, they said retconned Magneto's involvement in Burns issues to he was there only because he wanted to trap uh, Red Skull, trap the, trap the Red Skull, because obviously and then we saw that earlier. I think in the Avengers book, they were fighting because obviously the Red Skull is a Nazi and uh, Magneto is Jewish. So, of course, there's going to be some hatred there. So that was some, uh, you know, it's, it's similar to, remember when they did uh, uh, Secret Wars and Magneto was with the good guys and people were like, why is he here? You know, he's a, he's a bad guy. He should be on the other ship. Yeah. So, you know, which I think that helps. Uh, I mean, he flip, flip flops a lot, but that makes Magneto a little more of a, a, a deeper character. The fact that he's not just a by the numbers bad guy. But he was. Uh, I mean, okay. He was. The thing is, is that, and, and yeah, I, I'm going by what John Byrne's been talking about, and I've been reading uh, a lot from his website lately. Where you know, there's been a, a good bit of discussion regarding Magneto, and you know, Byrne says Magneto is the worst kind of villain. He is evil to the bone. Um, and in I think it was during the Atlantis attacks. There's an, uh, one of the angles had a backup story that Byrne wrote that had Dr. Doom confronting Magneto and forcing him to kill a little girl uh, to demonstrate that he is still the evil em- 
mother effer that you know he always has been and magneto says yeah the time for the charade is done and um you know kills a little girl and and that's it you know and then you know magneto's a villain again and i think it was atlantis attacks i could be wrong but um it wasn't x-men it may have been fantastic four or avengers i'm not sure i think probably the avengers annual um of that at that time and you know, Byrne has always asserted that, that there's no way that Magneto could be a good guy. He is a killer. He is a rapist. He is, is a pervert. He is, I mean, he, he sits there, looks at an unconscious storm and, and thinks, you know, what they could be together, if, you know, if they weren't, you know, a villain, you know, if, if, what he would do to her, you know, basically if, yeah. you know, it, things were a little different, if he had had his way. Magneto was a bad guy. It was Chris Claremont that, that, you know, did the things to try to turn him into a, uh, a hero. You know, they, they, Chris Claremont, you know, tries to do the redemption uh, path for a lot of characters. And Magneto is not one that you want to sit there and do that with, um, you know, just based on what, you know, what we do know. Well, I think it was more, I think it was the X-Men that were the really ones that were accepting of his turn uh, you know, at one point he was he was running the uh, the school uh, of him being right. uh, redeemed, and they always, at least in comics, they when they always point out that he's a villain, they always bring up that I think it was in the early around the 200s he kills that uh, Soviet submarine. He That's X Men 150. Is that 150? Yeah, X Men 150, and and yeah, he sinks a submarine that's got 80 uh, 80 different. Uh, uh, soldiers so, on yeah, it. Soldiers on it. Well, I think maybe I'm thinking that because in X-Men 200 or 199, the trial of Magneto, yeah, that's right. goes on trial, mm -hmm. they, br they bring that up. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, they always bring it back to that. And even uh, in the Cap book, the Red Skull says, uh, you know, don't think you're, you know, it's that, that old trope. If you're not any really different than I am, or actually maybe he compares him to Hitler. He says, you're not really, you know, you want the, you know, you want mutant kind to be, uh, the masters of the world and Hitler wanted the Aryan race to be the masters of the world. So you're not all that entirely different uh, in the, in the way you you're, you're approaching things. Um, so, you know, you know, even if you're, if you're trying to, I still think it just makes him a little more um, uh, deeper. He, he's, he's similar to, you know, the best villains are, are, are villains that don't think they're villains. Right. So Doc Doom is a great villain because he doesn't think he's a villain. Because I'm not a bad guy, you know. What what I'm trying to do is, and you could look at Leveria and say, well, you know, he turned this place around. He may rule it with an iron fist, but there's no crime. Everybody's happy. They love him. Uh, it's prosperous. Uh, so he's not, you know, he doesn't think of himself as uh, a villain. So I think that adds a lot of, lot to the character. Yeah. Well, I think we've we've kind of gone over here since we're going to be doing these. Um these acts of vengeance crossovers. We've got two more issues to discuss in later episodes. We hope that you've enjoyed this one and would like to know what you guys think. So if you could, please, uh, you know, write us an email at uh, gotta get burned at gmail.com or leave us a review on uh, Apple podcast. We could always use a five-star review and we haven't gotten one lately. So I'm asking you to go out there right now and leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you love about the show. Tell us what you don't like about the show. But tell us something. We'd like to hear from you. 
Yeah, any feedback is welcome, good or bad. Yeah, and uh, also, of course, we've got our Facebook page, Third Degree Burn. we got a couple hundred members, but we could always use some more. So, you know, please come and join us there, and, you know, you can give us feedback. We put links to every show on there. And, uh, of course, you can always find us uh, on our page at twotruefreaks.com. Uh, do you have anything else? No, I think this is a, a good start. And uh, like Brian said, just, just keep listening because there's going to be just a slew of shows that are going to be covering this whole event. Uh, some from us, some from other podcasts, but they should all kind of lock together to create one cohesive uh, uh, story. And look for our future shows and also look for uh, the other guys from Third Degree Burn. Kirk and John and David as they cover uh, some Wolverine. Yeah, I want to thank, of course, Derek William Crab of the Fanholes Podcast and the Fire and Water Network for inviting us into this uh, little excursion, the Mary Marvel Marching Society. Uh, again, this is the Acts of Vengeance, uh, you know, just a, a vent for JL May. And for Third Degree Burn, I'm Brian Hughes. This is Tim Elliott. And you are at home or in your car, or on a train, or somewhere. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> All right. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to Gotta get burned at gmail.com. That's G O T T A G E T B Y R N E D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs>